Today on The Topping Show, Super Bowl ads range from brilliant to winning our business blunder rating. Apple delays its iPhone subscription services. Vivek Ramasay might run for president. And Nintendo raises prices. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is proudly sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN is a service that helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies assists businesses with their technology needs. With a special proficiency in security, they can assist security business and much, much more. To reach us, you could send an email to sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, Nintendo's announced that they were going to raise prices to $69.99, in particular, this is going to be the price for their iconic Zelda series, the latest title being Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And this is following other giants like Sony and Microsoft, who have also been trying to increase their prices for premium games. And this is something that the video game industry has been trying to do for darn near decades. I remember back when back when I was a kid, and Nintendo 64 was the pinnacle of video game technology. It was 64 bits, all available for your enjoyment. Even back then, the price for video games were consistently, for darn near every new title, it was always $59.99. The, the price point of $60 is always in the head of consumers. And throughout the decades, the cost of development research, as well as just the compute power they need, the storage, the whole process to make a video game has become exponentially more expensive and more intense since that time. So the cost has been increasing, but the consumers have not been comfortable with the price increasing. So that's the whole reason why the multi-billion dollar idea of microtransactions became the staple for darn near every video game franchise because they need to maintain and exceed profitability goals. They just weren't making enough off the title of the actual game or the initial price of the game when you go to the store and buy it more realistically these days. You go online and download the game. So they had to make up their money on the back end. And these days, it's quite literally a multi-billion dollar business with, I believe, the latest Grand Theft Auto Five. I think they're on those within... A very short period of time, I think it was a week, they were a billion dollars in sales. So these have surpassed even some of the most outrageous goals for Hollywood in terms of the complexity of the games, the graphics, the online playing. So it makes sense that Nintendo is trying to keep that price point up. They'll be interested to see if they get any pushback or if the whole industry might finally be able to shift that. The only downside is I don't think anyone's expecting the microtransactions to go away and be, depending on the game, is prohibitive to play the game without buying extra DLC or downloadable content to upgrade your character or what have you. Personally, most of my video games were invented on analog technology, so I don't really have a lot of the latest and greatest. I'm not not a lot of first-hand experience in that I work with. So let me just try to see what happens. Going into space, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin breakthrough came recently. They have invented a new way to produce solar cells and and transmission wire using the moon. Rayoglyph, I'm definitely butchering that. Basically, some fancy substance on the moon. They've been able to invent a process that will allow them to make solar panels, aluminum wire, and cover glass. So that way, once you're operating on the moon, you just use this process to make your own solar panels, which of course would get you the energy that you need from the sun, power, a bunch of machinery. Which would be revolutionary since a lot of people long-term believe in space colonization. And one of the most prohibitive parts of space travel is getting stuff to space it's extremely expensive i remember back in the day nasa would give every astronaut had the privilege of being able to bring an item 
or two, and it had to fit in a small sandwich size Ziploc baggie. So if they can make this so that they don't need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to get solar panels to the moon to installed, that's going to be pretty revolutionary. Going on to Apple, the engineers actually know that the iPhone subscription has some setbacks, and they said that it was mainly a technical difficulty. Like every tech company on the planet and darn near every company in globally these days, they want to have a month-to-month -month subscription services because it's guaranteed more money for them. And it's also what Wall Street, Wall Street investments and analysts all, they all drool over that month-to-month -month reoccurring revenue subscription services, which is why we have everything from razors to coffee delivered on a subscription service. It's a fascinating transition in the economy that I've seen in my lifetime. And Apple is quite literally the most profitable company on the planet. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects those numbers, if it might help them out. I believe the current proposal, and a lot of these are rumors too, is I remember um, one of these articles was from MacAir.com and a couple of third-party websites. So there's a lot to be determined, but Apple is, you know, a lot of these companies want to be software-first companies because software-first companies trade at a higher rate on Wall Street, and there's a lot more excitement about them compared to a hardware company. And it'll be interesting to see how it'll be transitioned to you don't own the product, you get to basically lease the product or rent it month to month. And depending on the numbers, that might increase the rates because a lot of folks actually pay a premium for that. So, and if you're someone who needs a new phone every year or every two years, it might be a great value to you. Another fun topic that hits close to home, Ars Technical says the end is near for stick shifts for all but a few dedicated manufacturers. And it's one of those things where less and less people know how to. However, I love stick shifts. I know it'll never be as fast, but I always compare it to, you can always cook a burger or a steak faster in a microwave than on a grill, but which one would you rather have? So I've only ever owned stick shifts. It's one of my greatest prides. And in the article, I actually note three or two, yeah, three actually major manufacturers who are kind of kicking the trend and still making manuals. One of them is a Porsche car, North America CEO, Kiji Gruner. He noted that one in three Porsche 911 customers choose a manual where, where it's an option. And the number is even higher for the 718 Cayman. For those drivers, nothing there's nothing quite like the physical feeling of a perfect shift, or sorry, a perfect three, two downshift heading into a corner. It just feels good, quote unquote. And which is true, it's one of those things where you can't beat that feeling. It's so satisfying. If you've never driven a stick, I highly recommend going for it. And in terms of a business strategy, this is brilliant for Porsche. Um, they were one of the first companies were in the 1980s. They invented their proprietary um, automatic transmission, and it was actually for faster than the stick or the manual transmission for the first time. And at the time, Porsche was like, oh, we're all about the speed, so we're going to tell our customers and our clients, hey, you want the fastest, we're going to give you the fastest, that's an automatic. We're not going to make sticks anymore. And the public backlash was so grand and so loud that Porsche, to their credit, they listened to their customers. They said, hey, as long as there's a demand, we will make a stick shift. So ever since that PR mishap in the 80s, they've been one of the best brands for stick shifts. And in terms of the automotive marketplace, they're the last left. It is heartbreaking and also impressive that Porsche does this for the clients. But every major supercar, they're all gone. Lamborghini is automatic only. Ferrari, automatic only. Maserati, automatic only. Pretty much all the major brands that you think of, the Camaro is no longer a sedan. It's no longer a car. It's going to be a 
it's going to be an SUV, which is bizarre in and of itself. It's another topic in and of itself. And Camaro was one of the last stick shift General Motors made with the newest Corvette. That was made automatic only for the C8 Stingray, which is disgusting from a customer's standpoint because the C7 or the seventh generation of the Chevrolet Corvette, every year over year, the average number of units sold with a manual transmission was between 21 and 23% of the whole market. So basically a core of your customers appreciated that technology and loved having a stick shift. And the Corvette for the longest time was one of the best bang for the bucks American muscle. I mean, the capabilities are quite impressive as a great vehicle. I've had the privilege of driving a couple, of, a couple of the different models and it's always a blast. So Porsche doing this is just going to further cement their dedication to their customers and appreciation for them. That's why they're exponentially doing great things, making Volkswagen even more, more, more money being their parent company. And that's why, it's nice to see they have a couple, they have pseudo entry level cars, but it is a premium product and they have unlimited ways to customize it. So it's a lot of people are saying the end of era, but era, but I believe as long as Porsche can make a profit on it and give them the price points, I think they have, they will continue to have that dedication. Another really popular brand, a lot of folks forget about sometimes is Subaru with the BRZ, also known as the Toyota 86, which is a joint venture between the two businesses for the Boxster engine, little two door sports coupe. And their article noted that 71% of Subaru BRZs are sold with a stick shift, which is a lot of great news for enthusiasts. When I go to the track for um, I'm learning a little bit about how to go around the corners, there's always a couple of those in the class. And of course, one of the other major makers is the Mazda Miata, which is the standard for so many enthusiasts because it's so lightweight, great handling in the corners. You go to the track, there are entire track divisions ded dedicated to the Miata. In terms of a business brand, Mazda has one of the best customer supports out there in terms of the long-term ownership of the vehicles. They actually have a whole program where if you have a 91 Miata or name the year, they will still support you with OEM parts. So in terms of the racing community and that brand, that's one of the best out there. And you can say the same thing, Porsche, they're still supporting the 2005 iconic Porsche Carrera GT with, they had a recent recall, they pay for it and you can still get OEM parts, which is quite impressive. Going to the culture part of the podcast, you have the, some might say the pinnacle of Americana culture, which is the Super Bowl, which is the biggest game with NFL. It doesn't even need an intro. In terms of what I thought were some of the best commercials, I thought Indiana Jones and the Dial, and the Dial of Destiny was brilliant. And that series really needs to end on a high note. A lot of people did not enjoy the almost the mishap or the snafu of the kingdom of crystal skull since it involved aliens and a lot of a lot of people would say unrealistic things debatably who you talk to with the aliens it was just a little too out there and there was a lot of criticize criticization around Shia LaBeouf being involved and this movie will not have Shia LaBeouf you still have a couple of the original characters obviously including Harrison Ford and interesting enough this is going to be the seventh most expensive movie ever made with a budget of 300 million a lot of people are speculating how much of that money is being put into CGI and technology to reverse age Harrison Ford. Since a couple of the scenes in the movie is him looking younger and having almost like a flashback. So in, in the preview, it looked quite, quite brilliantly done. In terms of the background of the business of the Star Wars, sorry, same uh, creator with, uh, you know, George Lucas. But back in 1979, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas made the deal with Paramount Pictures for five Indiana Jones films which is why there's always been so much speculation on when are these going to happen i mean if it does happen it exclusively goes through paramount pictures and this lot 
a lot of Hollywood movies have these types of contracts or franchises have these types of contracts where you have Paramount Pictures and they're going to make an investment and they're going to take a risk and say, okay, we're going to do a couple of your first movies that haven't been proven yet with a you know a traditional box office, box office comparison. We want to be able to reap some of the benefits long-term and the upside. So that's why you see a lot of these types of breakdowns in film contracts. And back in 2012, Disney bought Lucasfilm. And then in 2013, Disney bought the production rights from Paramount Pictures. So now, and then Disney, Disney also famously bought out uh, Industrial Light and Magic, which is George Lucas's special effects company, which is behind pretty much every brilliant special effects you see in Hollywood. And they did some revolutionary things and continue to do that. And that's actually who is responsible for the de-aging of Harrison Ford in the film is Industrial Light and Magic is taking on that challenge. And it'll be interesting to see the composition. Thankfully, is done by John Williams, who is 91 and still kicking and rocking. And he is perhaps one of the most brilliant composers in our time. Every famous film from Jaws to Star Wars, Indiana Jones, many of them. Just, just look it up and you'll see John Williams is simply one of the best. And in terms of the plot in the movie, it is the interesting, the plot for this newest Star... Oh, I keep going, I want to say Star Wars with... Harrison Ford, perhaps subliminally message. I have the two so conflated since those are his two most famous roles. But in the Dial of Destiny, the plot is going to revolve around weeding out former Nazis who infiltrated the U.S. NASA for the space race, which perhaps is going to be Harrison Ford going against Operation Paperclip, which is now declassified documents. You could look it up on any search engine. That's when after World War II, the United States, as well as the Soviet Union, pretty much swept into Germany and tried to get out as many scientists as possible because as soon as that war was over, the space race and the new arms race had begun. And Werner, Warner, Werner, uh, Warner Braun, or Werner von Braun, apologize for the, for the butchering of the name, but he was a former Nazi leader who was in, actually in charge of NASA. So it's a real thing. And interestingly enough, so this will be about Harrison Ford going against that order by and actions of the u.s government perhaps so it'll be interesting it'll be nice to see the little cast back together and harrison ford said he wants the franchise to die with him like there's been rumors about other people being cast and harrison ford just wants it to be a nice chapter so i hope you know spielberg and the team gives him a good send-off and they knock it out of the park one of the best ads i thought was a new company called tubi which was the highest rated ad by number of twitter mentions and that was the one where they brilliantly made users think that the channel is being switched from the actual game to other things like it looks like a Netflix, but other things that you could rent, I guess, or stream rather in the Tubi store, the Tubi app. So that that was brilliant just because it got people off their seats. It got them looking at the remote because they thought it might have been a mistake. So that's that's something I thought was especially nice. Um, in terms of other commercials, you had Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad as well as the guy who played Jesse for a brand called Pop Corners, which is a food. Ben Affleck came back for a Dunkin', Dun Dunkin Donuts commercial, a little bit of callback to his breakout movie with Matt Damon, Good Will Hunting. Those are pretty interesting. Now, going over to the politics, we have a former pharmaceutical entrepreneur, Vivek Ramaswamy, who has his eyes on the presidency. He said he might be interested in running, and all the actions seem to say he would probably go for it on the Republican Party note. And... He actually wrote a book called uh, Woke Inc., which highlights how companies use politics as a new form of marketing. It's kind of like how back in the day, a lot of companies would have religion as part of their marketing campaign, or they would have it as a cornerstone 
both as a moral foundation of the company, but they would use it and they would advertise it in order to attract new clients and solidify relationships with current clients. And it's a great book in terms of this is one of the people who truly cements and solidifies and personifies the American dream of he grew up in India with nothing. He worked like hell, came to America and started a brilliant pharmaceutical company that would actually capitalize on Wall Street's mishaps. And when I say Wall Street's mishaps, it would be a situation where a large pharmaceutical company at the end of a fiscal quarter getting near, they would basically cut or sell off all of the smaller projects, the projects that weren't immediately generating revenue. So they would look more profitable on paper into Wall Street so they'd be more attractive. So his company would come in and buy up these ideas, buy up these assets, and they would take these formulas for these pharmaceutical solutions, they would bring them to the market. And there's a lot of life-changing good things that came from that. So it's really a great company. And his whole shtick is, or his ideal is he wants to run on the presidential ticket with the message of being entrepreneurial, similar, trying to copy some of what Trump did. And he's a big advocate of going against the ESG score. The ESG score, it's an important thing for business and politics. It is the environmental social governance score. And it's one of those things where a lot of people are speculating that that score is being used as a political bludgeon to basically bully bullies into doing what you want. And my suspicion is that there's some truth in that because of the way it's been selectively given to certain companies, but not other companies. So for example, for the longest time, and I don't even think they currently, but Tesla didn't get a positive, EG, they didn't get a positive ESG score. And these are coming from the same people who love electric cars. They think they're gonna change the world and in certain ways they are, but this seems to be almost of a weapon to some companies and it's concerning because it's not just a score on paper it affects your business so if you're publicly traded certain banks or in financial institutions are no longer loaning to companies or investing like blackrock some big investment firms they won't invest in your company if you don't have a positive score and esg score so and that's a lot of these companies you grow with investments so they need that cash or that capital to grow and expand their businesses and it's especially hurting one of the biggest things hurting the oil industry these days is the lack of investment from the traditional mechanisms such as Wall Street, because ESG scores is all about not investing in fossil fuels. And that's a big gamble of an industry where you're doing the research, you're seeing if there might be a certain amount of oil in an area or and before you start drilling, there is a big risk where there might not be how much you estimate. I mean, no how no matter how much technology and investment you do, there is some risk to that whole process. And those risks are big numbers. So those companies are getting less funding, which is another reason I, I believe that the price of gas is increasing. And he's actually striving, something that Vivek is talking about is he wants more funding for oil production via a, this is a new mechanism I just learned about, it's called via a Strive, which is a anti-ESG ETF, which is a exchange traded funds, and which and he says that the ESG scores are especially handicapping the capabilities of those oil companies. So that's an interesting business idea he has, and it will be interesting to see if he can run that. I don't believe he has any political experience, but I think a lot of people do appreciate new perspectives and they want some new ideas. And the the country is quite literally over $30 trillion in debt, the United States needs to get creative. They need to do, or we need to do something different. Uh, there's a lot of people that will debate economics and, you know, it, 
some people are saying if you just slash the taxes to nothing, you're going to increase exponentially new businesses, which for through sheer volume, we're going to have more tax revenue from them. Whereas if you increase the taxes, you're going to have less businesses because less people can afford it and more people go out of business. So those are, the, from my research, those are kind of the two main schools of economic thought. And maybe we need a third. I don't know. We just, we need to do something different. And other pseudo political news, this might be maybe just regular news, but the Pentagon notes that they were to shoot down the metallic balloon over Canada, um, as well as the one that was over the U.S. And the one that was shot over the U.S., a lot of people were making jokes about it because there's a big balloon just going over Montana. And a lot of Americans are like, well, what's in Montana? Well, it's one of the most strategic states in the United States because it's the home of one of the silos for the ICBMs or Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, which is a fancy word, a way of saying it's a nuclear capability to hit anywhere on the planet in a very, you know, within, I believe it's sub one hour. It's a very short amount of time. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. But it's one of the strongest capabilities of any military is the nuclear arsenal. It's the biggest deterrence in history in terms of, you know, that mutually assured destruction, which is why the U.S. and Soviet Union never really fired a shot at each other because we both had nukes. And, you know, if one shot one, then the other one would shoot 10. And it's just, it was a no-win situation. So having them was one of the great capabilities. So having another country snoop around that or look into that is not a good thing because Montana has many of them. And it was a big note that that was one of the F-22 Raptors' first air-to-air -air strike, which it did do, don't get me wrong. But I don't know if I would brag about that, considering how many hundreds of millions of dollars that were invested. And it, in terms of optics on a political standpoint, it doesn't look good that it took your country's most advanced piece of military technology in history to take out a balloon. I just, I, I don't know how that, that just does not look good. So maybe maybe regular, regular missile couldn't do it, but it was a success, but didn't really make us, the country, look too strong. Wrapping up the show with some fun business blunders. Now, Disney had one of the high, Disney was rated with one of the highest with the Twitter mentions. And, however, they just announced layoffs. So they're laying, about, laying off about 4% of their total workforce, translating to 7,000 jobs. And in terms of the Disney 100-year anniversary commercial, it was incredibly persuasive and brilliantly done. I thought the mixture of visualizations from old and old and I'd say mid kind of development of the company in terms of the production was brilliant. You had the music going along with it. And so the main part of that commercial was nostalgia. And it was about the old story tale, the old stories that we grew up with and we loved and that used to teach you about simple things and they were very apolitical everyone could enjoy them that's what that's how disney became such a staple of americana and one of the largest companies in the united states however it it goes against everything they're currently doing with their current production of tv shows movies cartoons if you watch for example if you watch dumbo or one of their older movies they literally have a disclaimer on the screen that says this program includes negative de depictions and or mistreatment of other people's or cultures. So they did. I noticed they did not have the disclaimer on the commercial. And when you look at what they're making today, it's much more political. And many people are a lot, or many people are saying it's no longer kid friendly because they're introducing sexual themes to children's materials, which 
is a terrible business idea. This a lot they're quite literally helping their competition grow exponentially by driving parents to competing companies like the Daily Wire, which is a that company is much more conservative and they were their stance on the they said they're gonna invest a hundred million to children's cartoons and their goal is for the cartoons to be more apolitical. And that's what if I was a parent, that's what I would want. I would I would think you would want something more apolitical. They're not introducing themes that are saying this saying that the country is the United States is a bad place to grow up with, is a bad place from the beginning. So it was a great commercial, but it was also a blunder because that's not what the company is doing today. And their new the newest CEO, I don't know if Bob there's a lot of speculation on how he's going to turn the company, he might turn it in a different direction. Similar to politics, I think just become apolitical and work for everyone, not work for the extreme right or the extreme left. And so, I mean, my two cents, if Disney really wants to get back into their growth rate, maybe that'll be, that'll, that would probably be a good idea. Market to everyone. Another business blunder of the Super Bowl, and there are quite a few, would be the QR codes, which is, I'm going to butcher this, Digi Daka Kaduka? And it was a commercial for NFT where if you scan it, if you could scan the QR code, you could be one of 10K, one of 10,000 people who would win a collectible. or an, And that's one of the biggest blunders in terms of IT security and security in general. Do not click links you don't know about. Do not scan QR codes you don't know about. So it was one of the worst things in terms of, re, I think, especially nowadays where cybersecurity threats for everyone, not just businesses, but people, it's just growing exponentially with other countries and other bad actors always trying to hack in and steal your data. They're always trying to scam you with a lot of those. It's just, why use that as a mech? Why dumb down your audience? I mean, you're teaching them the exact opposite. If, if I were a billionaire, just for the novelty of it and for the lesson learned, I would do a Super Bowl commercial with a QR code. I mean, you do it, you click it, it takes you to the Rick Asty, you know, the parody YouTube video. I mean, that, I don't know how you say his name, but he's, you know, never going to give you up song, never going to take you down, da, da, da. But I would do that just to troll them, to make them understand that you do not click things you don't know. So that was a big blunder just because, Again, it makes people think that's a good idea or it's safe, and it's most certainly not. Another business blunder, and again, Super Bowl is filled with them. They're, they had a couple good commercials, but the Eminem commercial, which is bad for, it was, in, a, in my opinion, ineffective and just bad for many reasons. One is, you, in order to get the commercial, the full value of it, you had to know the controversy of Eminem's in the past year. Some people may or may have not, just to kind of, bring up that point of the Eminem scandal. So Eminem's for, what was it? 1954 was the first time that the Mars company, the parent company behind Eminem's introduced those cute fun figures with the red Eminem and the yellow Eminem, I believe were the, those are the originals. And it took another 20 or 30 years before they introduced the green Eminem, which had high heels and uh, which was a female. And the most hilarious it is just ridiculous. So about a year ago, Eminem decided, all right, we're going to downgrade her to sneakers. And I don't know if you want to call this a bit, but Tucker Carlson, which is a um, conservative reporter on Fox News, he noticed that. 
so he started to he started as a news anchor he started to cover that story and make jokes about how they want us to be lazy and they're taking away the femininity of giving her sneakers it's, it's quite amusing I, it's hard to tell if he's being serious or not but it got a lot of mainstream attention and even even more unusual for a candy company is they then introduced a purple M&M, which was, a, I believe, going to be a trans M&M or a uh, transsexual M&M. And I don't understand what that has to do with chocolate. But needless to say, that further galvanized the, I'm going to say the chocolate community. I don't know who buys this stuff. But that got Tucker Carlson and the people on the right up in arms because you're making a sexualized candy, which I can't help but laugh. It's so bizarre. I don't buy candy. I, I'm a guy, so if I buy candy, it might be once a year, maybe for Christmas to buy for someone else. I never go to the store and wonder, what's what's the political affiliation of that candy bar or that bar of chocolate? So, in the wake of all that backlash, Eminem said, "Okay, we're canceling the mascots completely." After spending unknown millions, probably millions of dollars, but unknown just unquantifiable perhaps time money and resources building the brand and building those memorable mascots are gone i mean one of the best ads i've ever remember from my childhood is the yellow m&m and the red m&m coming down the stairs of a house on christmas eve and they go into the living room which has the christmas tree and they see santa they go oh my god he's real and santa turns around and no one knows what santa's going to say and santa goes they are real like Santa was so astonished that the M&Ms were real because M&Ms had those mascots had become things of legend in the cultural significance or in the cultural lexicon. So that was a brilliant commercial. It showed the product, got you emotionally attached, and it solidified the message that they're unique. At the time, they're very revolutionary. They still are. Candy that melts in your mouth, not in your pocket, I think was their mantra at one time, just because it's a hard candy shell. But so they decided to get rid of that. And instead of having the candy animated mascots, they're going to use a someone called Mia Rundolph. And in the Super Bowl commercial, in order for you to understand the, the Super Bowl commercial with her, you had to understand the whole controversy. So you're already splitting the audience of not a lot of people follow the, the politics of chocolate. I, I do. Which, yeah, I don't know why it's a thing. Um, and during the commercial... Instead of having M and M with the at side, it was M-A and Y-A, as in Maya. And But it was interesting, at the very end of the commercial, they had the red M&M and the yellow M&M, and the red one had like a help me sign. So I don't know if, I don't know if it's a new shtick or a new, like a comic thing to say they're, those candy mascots are now being held hostage I, by the company. And it was... It was confusing. It did not build brand loyalty. It didn't really pull out emotions of, you know, like a memory or, or an, an iconic moment in history or it was just a beyond a blunder. And then lastly, it's not really a business blunder, but it's more of an artistic blunder is Rihanna, which some say is a, what was it? Some say she's a singer. I, I need to do more research. She, they, they say she sings notes and she was the halftime show, and the highlight of that was her scratching her crotch and then smelling it, which 
sounds like a big business blunder. Perhaps it's more of an artistic blunder, but it's not tasteful. And it's no longer shocking because society has gotten to the point where everything is, in, everything is shown everywhere. So it really didn't bring value to her brand. It really didn't excite people or injure. I guess it got news coverage because a lot of people are talking about how ridiculous it was, but it didn't build her brand. It didn't make her sound good or look at it. It just didn't really, again, kind of like the other business partners didn't make sense. I'm not going to buy out. No one's going to buy her album. I guess maybe they sell NFTs. Who knows what they sell these days, but it's hard to keep living as a musician. I guess they might sell NFTs. I don't know. Maybe they'll have that of her, but just did. it just didn't make a lot of sense. So, one of the most hardest things in business is advertising. It's an art. It's a science. It's something that's usually tested. It's usually, it's a mystery. And there's always that curveball of something might work miraculously effectively. You don't realize. So it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to, I guess the results are easy to quantify or easier to quantify, but sometimes you just miss, sometimes you hit them on the park and sometimes you just confuse the absolute heck out of your audience. So really interested to see what happens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate it. Please like, comment, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your friends again. Tell your family. Tell your enemies. Tell anyone. Heck, just spread the word. Y'all stay safe. Fight the good fight.